Hello, and welcome to another episode of Real Reading Talk. I am your gracious host, Miss Sasha. And with Real Reading Talk, I discuss the real systemic issues that are at the very core, the very foundation, with no sugarcoating, no chaser, as to why there are low levels of literacy in the Black community and the ways in which we can combat these issues together, y'all. What's up, y'all? What's up? And I am just so excited to talk to you all. Um, My apologies for not uh, having an an episode uh, sooner. Uh, Just, you know, trying to take care of some personal things and not being able to record when I needed to. But trust and believe, I am back in full effect. And I want to go right on in to the subject at hand, all right, and what I want to share with you all today. And the title of this episode, this is episode 33. And the title of this episode, you all, is We Want to Thrive, Not Just Survive. I repeat, we want to thrive and not just survive. I like saying that word thrive a lot. And the reason why I like saying that word thrive when it comes to black people is because when you are thriving, that means that you are trying to be at your very best. You are always in those stages of trying to plan, trying to prepare, trying to make sure that uh, you dot all your I's and cross all your T's. And you're trying to make sure that you are creating a legacy for your babies. That's what thriving is. Surviving is when you are just always thinking about, okay, I just need to make it. You know how we are, our, our black brothers in particular are told when they're pulled over by the police, you know, you just worry about getting home. You just make sure that you just come home. That should be your end goal. You know, it's all, again, that whole survival mentality. And that's something as black people that we have. You know, we are dealing with trauma on a daily basis. Some are dealing with it more than others. And the reason why we're dealing with this trauma is because our African ancestors were taken out of their environment in which they had the ability to thrive. Our African ancestors were taken out of the environment in which they had the ability to thrive. And they were thrown in an environment in which they had to learn to survive, i.e. slavery. When our African ancestors were taken from their homelands, put in those slave castles, then in the slave ships, and then taken to wherever, wherever the Caribbean islands, whether it was uh, Brazil, and then of course, North America. All right? So our African ancestors were taken, of course, Europe, and our African ancestors were put in these situations in which They had to survive. It was always about, before it was about having abundance, 
Now, scarcity was created in the minds of our African ancestors. And when you understand that history and when you know that, then you can better assess as to what's going on today. What's going on today? And of course, with my podcast, yes, I focus on literacy. But as we know, when it comes to that literacy piece, when it comes to that reading, that affects all aspects of education. And when it comes to literacy as well, when our children are not reading, when they have the attitude they don't want to read, then it affects their self-esteem. It affects their hope level. They start to feel like, well, dang, man, I can't really read this. I'm all, you know, I'm, I'm told that if I don't pass this test, if I don't get better with my reading, I don't pass this test and I'm not going to go on to the next grade. So what does it do? It starts to affect them. They start to feel hopeless. And so these are things in which, again, some of you who are listening, you already know all this stuff, right? So it's like I'm preaching to the choir, right? But for my new folks who are listening, you know, there may be some things in which you're like, wow, man, I didn't think about it like that. But guess what? We have to understand the core of the problem in order to be able to fix the problem. And so what inspired me to talk about this subject in terms of we want to thrive and not survive? One of the things that uh, made me think about this is when I opened the book, Awakening the Natural Genius of Black Children, written by Dr. Amos Wilson. And our beloved ancestor, Dr. Amos Wilson, he's passed on now, but he left a legacy. He left lots of books, information, lectures on the consciousness of black people and how we have to change our mindsets and how we have to change the way that we are thinking about ourselves in order to be able to start to thrive. And so what I was going to do, I'm going to just read a small section from the book and it encapsulates what it is that I'm trying to impart with this particular episode. So peep this. The African-American community cannot maximize its existence and quality of life unless and until it educates its parents, caregivers, and those who school its children along lines appropriate to optimizing their mental and physical potential, as well as their African consciousness, identity, and common humanity. A significant part of the social chaos, so typical of American society in general, can be blamed on the fact that there is little, if any, formal parenting education that is preparation for full adulthood and responsibility. The revolutionary change in the education of African children must begin with changes in the parent-child-caretaker-infant relationship, followed by changes in the preschool, elementary, secondary, and post-secondary and school environments. Right there in a nutshell, what did he say? He talked about the aspect of us being able to understand 
how we could be better parents, knowing how to parent, what things that we can do in order to have those effective parent-child relationships. So what was he saying? That this education piece, it starts at home. We have to have that foundation built at home. And as we see, we know that that is something that has definitely been lacking. And especially, we already know as black people, and if you don't know, you about to find out, or we're going to be reminded, that was one of the, 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 the satanic uh, aspects of slavery, that peculiar institution, was to break up the family. I just heard something that uh, I like the way Dr. Boyce Watkins has said this earlier on one of his uh, YouTube videos I was listening to earlier. And he was talking about how, you know, how you, you got folks talking about Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. And he brought up a good point. He was like, remember, Black life, it starts with the family. So if you're talking about Black Lives Matter, but you got people out here, yeah, they want to sit up there and act like, Oh, I got the sign in my yard. You know, I got the sign up in my school or I have it, you know, in my car. But do you really want black lives to matter? Because if you did, you would want to see the black family together. You would want to see that mother and that father together in that home doing the best that they can to impart a consciousness in their children so that they can be empowered. They can be free thinking. And they can know how to do for self. They can really, truly, sincerely be about nation building because nation building starts at home. You first got to have that consciousness in your mind and saying, look, I love myself. I know about myself. And now I want to impart that to my children. If you're a man, you're saying that you're, you're making sure that whatever woman that you choose to marry you want her to have that same mindset. And for that woman who was looking for that man to marry, she wants him to have that same mindset. In order for us to be able to change, in order for us to be able to see and have a community in which we are thriving, we have to change our thinking. And we got to have it in our hearts. Meaning what? We cannot fear. The only one we fear is God. That's it. And we have to say, look, we are going to have a consciousness developed in which we are going to learn as much as we can about ourselves. We're going to love ourselves and we're going to impart, impart that into our families. And that's a big part of what's lacking and what's missing when it comes to our black homes. And of course, that's done on purpose, right? Because if black life really mattered, then we would live in a society in which, number one, they would definitely, the government would say, yes, we owe these people reparations. We're about to give them their reparations like yesterday so that they can build their own communities. We can have our own schools. We don't have to start saying things like what people are doing right now. And they're wondering about having you, you, you got folks who are talking about on their different platforms or writing articles talking about what are our kids going to do post-COVID? What are, how are we going to armor our children when they're going back into these schools and going into these hostile environments, you know, because of the fact they got to deal with these teachers who are racist. They still are dealing with that. 
or they got to deal with going to schools and they don't really have the resources or they're going in their schools and it's just not uplifting. It's not nurturing. It's not something we're supportive, especially when it comes to our black children. And you got folks who are we still having these conversations. <laughs> we still having these conversations in 2021. If one of the things we should have taken away from COVID is that we as black people, we need to have our own schools, period, point blank, from the preschool to high school. We got to have our own school. And then after that, if you want them to go to colleges, get them. If, if we can't get them in an the HBCU, if our children want to go to college. Because we have to prepare our children to be able to create their own businesses, be able to buy homes, be able to learn how to grow their own food, all of these different things. But we need to be doing this on our own for ourselves. We keep hoping and wishing and praying that these people are going to change and they're not. They're not. Why would they change, though? You got to think about it. What 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 benefit would it be for them? When I say them, I'm talking about the white supremacist structure. The white supremacist structure when I say them. So it ain't no boogeyman. This is real stuff. Why would they change? They're not going to sit up there like for what? There's no benefit. They got it. They looking at like what's in it for them? And so that's, and that's the mindset we need to do. We need to adopt that. We're going to follow anything uh, uh, behind some white supremacists. That's something we need to follow. What's in it for us? What are we going to do? How is it going to benefit our children if we keep putting them in these schools and then we keep talking and complaining about the same thing over and over again? I mean, heck, you got these folks, they, they, you got people who sitting up there trying to say the term critical race theory. Man, I I get sick and tired of hearing that term, critical race theory. Are you kidding me? No, I'm from the camp of Dr. Frances Cress Welsing. She called it and she nailed it right on the head. White supremacy. Dr. Neely Fuller said it. White supremacy. Her mentor. And that's what it is. And actually, it's a false notion of white supremacy. That's what that's one of the things that Dr. Professor Smalls likes to say. And I appreciate that because it's a reminder, again, changing that African, changing our mindset to the African consciousness. Ain't nothing supreme about some racist white folk folks who sit up there trying to oppress us. Ain't nothing supreme about that. So with all of that being said, this brings me to my next part of the podcast in which I wanted to talk about. And it all ties into how we have to develop the mindset of thriving and not just surviving. And I got inspired to share with you all about ways in which we can get our children to have great reading experiences at home. These are things in which we can do at home right now. All right. And it's free. We get some books from the library And I'm going to give you the four things in which you can do in order to make your reading experience for your child pleasurable. And what inspired me to talk about this is because earlier today, I was invited to read to a group of beautiful black children at a local neighborhood center. And I brought in the book. I brought in two books, actually. I brought in the Tulsa Race Massacre 
uh, that was written by Carol Boston Weatherford and illustrated by uh, the late Floyd Cooper. And I just want to just right now, just uh, again, send my condolences to Floyd Cooper's family. Floyd Cooper left a legacy of books, y'all. Please make sure that you try to get as many books as possible for your babies uh, that were illustrated by uh, Floyd Cooper. He just passed recently. That was so unexpected. Um, I was connected to him on Facebook. I, I, I was just, you know, in awe of his work. Um, of course, I did not know him personally, but he just, you know, just the way you can tell, you know, how you can tell, like, even when you're on social media and you're connected with people and then you see, you know, certain things that they post, you know, and, you know, how even like if you compliment them on something they're doing and he'll tell you know, immediately say, oh, thank you. Thank you, Sasha. You know, just you could tell, you know, again, like I said, of course, I didn't meet him in person, but you can tell like, OK, this guy, man, he seems like a cool guy. And this and this is so it was obvious because a whole bunch of folk, man, they were just like, oh, my God, he was so nice. He was this. He was great. He was that. So with that being said, I just wanted to, again, uh, give, send my condolences out to his family, uh, Floyd Cooper. But um, that book, the children had already somebody had read that book aloud to them already. So I was like, oh, my God. So but guess what? You know, to read aloud, sister. I had another book in my hand, all right, in my bag, rather. And so I pulled out the book uh, Muhammad Ali. I, ch- I think it's called A Champion is Born, and that was written by Jean Beretta. And I've read that book before. I've read it on Facebook Live and everything. And um, I think on maybe one child had knew about the book. So I was like, hey, cool, you know. So, But nevertheless, you know, I did what I did, do what I do when it comes to reading aloud. You know, those of you who know me, Y'all know I love to read aloud. I'm very animated. Um, I've been told that all my life, animated, actress, all of that type of stuff. And I embrace it. I encapsulate it all. Because now what I do is I help to bring books to life. And I help to bring our children, our black children, into reading in a fun and an engaging and exciting way. So that talent that uh, Allah, one God, blessed me with, I use it. I use my talents, my powers for good. <laughs> All right. So with that being said, I just wanted to, um, you know, so it made me think about it. I said, you know what? I said, I can help my parents and caregivers out here by giving them some tips as to how to help uh, get your child uh, into reading and help them to uh, have a pleasurable reading experience. So the first thing is this. So grab your notebooks and your pens or pencils. Here we go. It's only four things. That's it. The first thing is choose a book about a black person who invented something or who was a sports figure, something like that. And the reason why I say that is because especially with like, for example, with the book Muhammad Ali, when I was reading that book, when you have books like that, where you have someone like Muhammad Ali. And as we know, he was an excellent boxer. Um, He was very, uh, very uh, (laughs) prideful, okay? You know, he knew what he was about. And he would even tell you later on in life, one of the main reasons why, you know, he did that. You know what I'm saying? You know, he basically, he was like, hey, look, you know, he knew what type of society that he was in. Now, you got these racist folks. They sitting up there always trying to say what 
you know, what he couldn't do or what black people couldn't do, all that. So he's like, hey, look, no, I can do whatever I put my mind to. All right. So he and so it was a method to his madness, if you will, in terms of that. You know, you have folks, oh, he was loud mouth and all of that. And he always bragging, da, da, da. But you got to think about the climate that he was in. All right. So you talking about I me. Mean, we know it's still racism, but, you know, it was definitely more so um, outward racism. You know what I'm saying? White folks really, really, really was emboldened. OK. And so but with that being said, the reason why I say choose a book about a black person um, for obvious reasons, the first reason is that, number one, that is a way in which you can start to uh, teach your children about black people who have done great things. So it helps to build uh, a consciousness in them. It helps to build in them uh, the aspect of I can do it if they did it. They look like me. They come from the same community as me. I can do it as well. Also, those books, I like stories like that that talk about inventors or sports figures or something like that, because, of course, it talks about whatever trials, whatever tribulations, whatever things that they dealt with and how they overcame them. So, you know, our children love to hear stories about that and people in general. You like to hear those stories where somebody went through all these different obstacles. They had all of these uh, different um, things that was trying to push them uh, back away from their goals or whatever the case may be and then they were able to overcome them all right so definitely I would highly recommend getting a book like that for example I'll give you a couple examples of books like that the book um about Serena and Venus Williams matter of fact it was illustrated by Floyd Cooper as well that's a good book to get I can't remember the title um, but if you just google his name and uh, google uh, Serena and Venus uh, Williams um, that book uh, should come up also, Ron's Big Mission, that was a book that was illustrated by Don Tate, all right? So, and he was the astronaut. He was one of the ones that was on that Challenger astronaut, uh, excuse me, uh, Challenger uh, space uh, shuttle uh, that had got blown up um, in the 80s, all right? But he was, uh, you know, a black man, one of the astronauts that was on there. And, you know, and that book talks about you know, the triumphs and trials that he had to deal with and trying to get a library card and all of that type of stuff. So so those two books um, that come off the top of my head, I think that are really, really good uh, to, you know, read to your children. The second thing, ask them questions before you start reading on what they already know. All right. So that was something, again, going off the read aloud that I did earlier today. I asked the children, what did they already know? All right. And, um, you know, and, and when you're doing that, you are again, you're inviting them into the read aloud space. Excuse me. You are making it clear that you want them to be interactive into the book. You want them to be engaged in the book. All right. So it's not just about you. Just I'm just going to read to you and you're just going to get it done. And that's it. No, you want to make sure that you're trying to get them engaged, especially for my for the kids who are. Uh, trying to get into reading. They may not be readers. So you're trying to do what you can to get them hooked. Okay. So think about bait, right? You know, just like when you're going fishing and you put that bait on that hook and you're doing that because that's your way to get the fish to come to you. Well, that's what you want to do for the kids. All right. You're trying to hook them. You're trying to get them to want to look at reading as pleasurable, something that they uh, will be interested in doing again and again. Number three, 
read the book with all the enthusiasm that you got. All right? Read that book with all that enthusiasm. Okay? Get into it. Get into that book. Don't be afraid to act silly and and, and do some voices. All right? Make it fun. Make it exciting. Okay, or if it's a, you know, sad character, you know, put on some, uh, some, some really sad faces and, you know, do some boo-hoo, all of that. Get them into it. Okay, so put all the enthusiasm that you got into that book. And last but not least, number four, let them engage the book the way they want to. Reason why I say that is because I was just remembering when I was doing a read aloud and one of the kids I think they had, you know, they may have said something or got excited or whatever about a part that I read. And I heard one of the the facilitators, you know, trying to uh, check the child. Now, the child. Now, mind you, even when a child may say a couple of things or whatever the case may be while I'm reading, I don't I don't react to it. You know, I'm not going to react to it because what I'm going to do is I'm just going to keep trying to get into the story and still make it come to life to keep them engaged. Because I have to remember, you know what I'm saying? They're still, they're still kids, all right? And in terms of the, if, if you are looking for them to just kind of sit there all stoic and just looking at the book and not have really any reactions, you know, it's not really authentic space that you're creating. You want to have an authentic reading space. So, for example, if you're reading a book, and just like when I was reading that book on Muhammad Ali and I was talking about how he was riding his bike off fast and da da, da and the kids and say if the kid, they get an urge to be like, yeah, woo, 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 all right. And they do that. I'm good with that. I'm like, yeah, because it's showing me that they're paying attention. They're into the book. You know, again, like I said, you know, we got to get out of this mindset. And that's one thing that I noticed, too. Um, and I noticed that, you know, with with a lot of the black educators, now I won't say a lot, I'll say some black educators or even just some maybe black paraprofessionals, you know, they'll be so quick to hurry up and check that child, you know, little, little uh, Trayvon, you know, he may, he said a sound, you know what I'm saying? During a read aloud, Shh, be quiet, respect, you know, they so quick, put a bubble in it, you know, start being really just extra. And it's like, well, you stop it. You know, they all they did was just get excited about a particular part. You know, they didn't they didn't do anything. It wasn't like they started throwing erases at people's heads during the read aloud or start throwing spitballs. Then I'm like, okay, there, then then you gotta check a little Trayvon or little Khadijah. You know what I'm saying? But if they are like, you know, like I said, if it's a part where maybe I started roaring like a lion, rawr, and then one of the kids like, rawr, rawr, that's good. You want them to do that. That's showing that they are really getting excited about the book. All right. So, um, yeah, with that being said, let me just do a recap real quick of those four. So the first one is choose a book about a black person who invented something or who was a sports figure. And then I gave the examples of those. The Muhammad Ali book is a good one. The Venus and Serena Williams book is a good one. Ron's Big Mission. Oh, also that book um, about uh, Dr. Lonnie Johnson. A uh, whoosh. That's by Don Tate as well. That's a good one too. I really, really like that. So books like that are good. They're fun, exciting, and they're also learning about uh, real people who have done great things and is showing that they can actually do those things as well. Number two, ask them questions before you start reading. 
about what they already know about the book. Number three, read the book with all the enthusiasm that you got. All right, give it your all. And number four, let them engage the book the way they want to. Okay, quit always trying to tell them to put a bubble in it. You know, and and really that comes from for real, for real. We just, I just say this real quick and I'm going to get ready to end. You know, a lot of times, see that aspect comes from that, that whole zero tolerance, that whole, we want these black children to be quiet. We don't want them really talking in the classroom. So that's why that whole put a bubble in it, be quiet, sit there still, fold your hands like a, a scholar, look straight ahead, be stiff. Don't engage, don't have any, don't, don't really have, develop any type of critical thinking skills. You can't move around. If you move too much, you know, that's, see that, and another thing, see, that's scaring those white teachers, in particular those white women. They do not want to feel intimidated or scared in them classrooms at all. So they want our babies to be still, quiet, stoic, not saying nothing, engaged in nothing in the way that is helping them in a way that's, you know, bringing out their personality. And so, when we, and that's something we don't want. We don't want that for our children, especially our boys, because we know with our boys in particular, they can get fidgety, they can get active. And that's just a part of the nature of our boys in particular. And that's okay. And we don't want to make them feel like that something is wrong with them because then they start getting into the whole aspect. Oh, something wrong. I think they got ADAD and I do, 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 all of that stuff. And then it's time for the medicine, y'all. You know, we know how that go. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. With that being said, I'm going to end right here. But, of course, I'm going to end on two notes. The first one is this. Letting you all know what I have been reading. I am reading the book Revolutionary Suicide by Huey P. Newton. I'm still uh, haven't uh, been reading the other book, uh, The Black Liberation. I put that down for a minute and I started getting into my revolutionary suicide. So I'm feeling the Huey P. Newton book. I'm, I'm on that vibe right now. And I've also been listening to, um, I got like about, I think, four hours left. I've been listening to the book on audio. Uh, what is that? Uh, um what's our girl sister soldier her book the about winter so not the coldest winter ever but the one that just came out life after death i cannot remember the title <laughs> for anything life after death so i've been listening to that um so i got about four hours left so that's what i've been uh reading and um the last but certainly not least i want to leave with the quote by arthur ash and arthur ash who was the famous tennis player African-American tennis player, he said this, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. All right. So with that being said, y'all, you have been listening to another episode of Real Reading Talk. I am your host, Miss Sasha. This was episode 33. And remember to please keep reading for at least 30 minutes a day. Peace.